leftover questions, and then I'm going to show the short film. But uh, I just wanted to check in. Okay, one here and one here. Uh, do we have the microphone? Can you raise your hand? Just yeah. one note on that word anger. Yeah. Somebody was saying something about being in touch with this sadness, but I think in this culture we get... I, I'll speak for myself. Anger wasn't understood by me to be something that was acceptable and natural and healthy and good and transformative. And some teachers from New Zealand taught me the word protest. They said, anger is nothing but protest. And anyway, I just thought I'd That really that helps. In. Yeah. No. It's a protest against what you consider unfair or unjust. Whatever it is. Yeah. And the protest is healthier when it is preceded by sadness. Like, let me feel the sadness and let me protest. That would be an important thing, like when there are protests, you know, public protests, that we also have the grief dimension, which we do because, you know, they'll have candles and flowers along with the protesting. So that's healthy. Um, there was somebody over here who had one. Or you have one also? Okay, and then... Um, I really appreciated the the grief practice that you shared. And I'm wondering um, if there is a similar practice. You, I think you mentioned metta meditation. But for people who really deeply long for a relationship, I work with a lot of clients um, who have that. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of practice. Is it just kind of the standard metta, or is there something specific that you um, could share around that, around like opening oneself to the love that already exists? That's a really good question. Um, let me think about it, and then I will. I'm going to give myself a note because I want to think a little little more on it before I respond. But yes, I, I will have a response. Yeah. So often inquiry relates to looking back to an early part of your childhood and your relationship with someone. Your example is about uh, how you received love at an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was interested in getting your thoughts about if in a case where you feel you have a hard time accessing what that experience was, um, what that might say or what you can do to try to work with that. Usually the clue to it is what you keep going back to, what you keep, you know, like you keep looking for more of. Um, but it also helps to think of the people that you did feel comfortable with and what was it that they said or did that helped you feel more comfortable in your own skin? That would be one way to get started on it. Uh, Somebody else had one? Way in the back. Um, I was wondering about the uh, idea of not longing, uh, denying uh, longing. Uh, I think that's something, you know, I kind of think it's not productive to long. So I've kind of, you know, given up on that. Um, and, and I remember something my father said to me when I had the first breakup. And he said, um, that guy did you such a favor. And uh, I think it's had, you know, it, it was profound to me because I really um, 
saw some truth in that. And I keep on going back to it. I guess uh, holding the longings softens us and reminds us of our vulnerability, not to mention reminding us of Buddha's important truth of impermanence and of, uh, and of ultimate unsatisfactoriness. And it, um, uh, it doesn't have to be, shall we say, uh, stressful when you learn to, shall we say, uh, hold the longing and uh, just let it be there in a gentle way. So here's the longing. And I don't want to go to denial of it. That's at one end of the spectrum, the deficit end of the spectrum. And then there's the excess end of the spectrum. That's the compulsion to find the fulfillment. The longing is in the middle. Remember uh, Aristotle saying the virtue is always in the middle. And on either end are the two extremes. One extreme of not enough, the other extreme of too much. So the too much is when the longing becomes the compulsion. And the not enough is when it starts to um, be denied. And it can't really be denied because it's already existing in you. What you're looking for is a mirror of what's already in you. So if, if we would say there is love in everyone then the longing for love is actually a mirror of the love that's in you. So when you deny the longing, you're also cutting off the realization that you have that wonderful gift inside you. So that's why we don't want to deny it. And then on the other end, we turn it into a compulsion is like turning it into more, it would more have the look of a desire. A longing could never be addictive. Only desires can. Desire for drugs can lead to addiction. But longing for an altered state, which can be found in nature, that could never become addictive. Because it's different hormones at work. Okay? Yeah. Do you have the uh, microphone? I can project pretty well. Okay. This goes back to what you were saying in the prior topic around retaliation. And you spoke about uh, often we we take what we did and get our, our, our anger against toward our parents and take it out on our partners because it's unresolved. And I wonder, can we also do the same with non-partners with whom we are close to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It wants to come out and then we unfortunately shift it over to someone that is safer to express it to. You can see that the Alternative to all of this is simply being more honest about what you're actually feeling or what you're actually longing for. That's the overall topic of our day. How do we contact these longings and admit them that admit that we have them and admit them in the sense of this ticket admits you into the theater, let it in. Okay, so now I have a short uh, film. It's actually like a, it's a YouTube, so if you ever want to see it on your own, 
It's look, just go to YouTube, Dave Rico, and it's called On Love. And these are quotes from my book, How to Be an Adult in Love. And it will summarize what we've talked about so far and sort of um, also maybe bring up some thoughts that we could you could share afterwards. It's about nine minutes long. If you can't see the print, just come up and sit on these cushions up here. Okay? Uh, oh, yeah. Let's move this out of the way.
Thank you. <clears throat> Any um, <clears throat> reactions you'd like to share? Or, uh, anything that came up as you were watching? Way in the back. <clears throat> kind of pulls together what we were talking about and deepens the topic. It was all beautiful, but the thing that struck me deeply was the the quote, because I have been wrestling with this ideal that I'm not lovable. And more frightening than that was somehow I couldn't feel that love even existed within me. And I was trying to reconcile. Here I raised this son, and I think he never recognized the love I delivered to him. But then again, I thought it wasn't in me. So I'm really grateful for that quote. I'm working on that. I am letting it open, and I am more open to it. But it's really frightening to think that somehow you can't touch whatever that is, love, whatever. You see all this shit all out here, but, you know, but how do you find it? And then to discover that you're trying to teach yourself how to love unconditionally when you've never had it. That is a journey that I'm on. <clears throat> How do you teach yourself to love? Love you and love everyone when you never got it. All you had was conditional love. Yeah. That is the challenge of a lifetime, isn't it? We are going to be looking at our handout after and that hopefully addresses the question you just brought up. Okay, any other comments? All right, so let's pick up on her question, and we have our handout called <clears throat> um, Ways to Show Integrity and Loving Kindness. So we'll start over here. We have the microphone. Oh, we could start down that end. So if you, everybody have this, and so we're going to go along here, all along this first row, and then pass it to the person behind you and go second row. We're just going to read one, just read one each, uh, slowly and clearly. This will summarize the specific practices that help you show this love that we've been talking about and integrity at the same time. And the idea is that <clears throat> even though there are 43, you're working with one of these each week, not all at once. So, <laughs> <laughs> But we just want to hear them in the different voices first. I am caring for my body by a healthy lifestyle. I'm caring for my mind and spirit by psychological work on myself when needed and by faithfulness to spiritual practices too. I do my best to keep my word, honor commitments, and follow through on the tasks I agree to do. I am making every effort to abide by standards of rigorous honesty, courtesy, and respect in all my dealings, no matter how others act toward me. I forgo taking advantage of anyone because of his or her neediness, attachment to me, misfortune, or financial straits. My question is not, what can I get away with, but what is the right thing to do? I keep examining my conscience with true candor. I take searching inventories, not only about how I may have harmed others, but also how I might, may not have activated my potentials or shared my gifts, how I may still be holding on to prejudices or the need to retaliate. 
how I may still not be as loving, inclusive, and open as I can be. I appreciate positive feedback. I also welcome any well-intentioned critique that shows me where I might be less caring, less tolerant, less open than I can be. When I am shown up as a pretender or confronted about being mean or inauthentic, I am not defensive, but I take it as information about what I have to work on. I am letting go of the need to keep up appearances or to project a false or overly impressive self-image. Now I want to appear as I am, without pretense, and no matter how unflattering. I am not trying to ingratiate myself with anyone in order to get on his or her good side. Being loved for who I am has become more important and more interesting than upholding or advancing the ever-shaky status of my ego. As I say yes to the reality of who I am, with pride in my gifts and unabashed awareness of my limits, I notice that I can love myself and that I become more lovable too. I now measure my success by how much steadfast love I have, not by how much I have in the bank, not how much I achieve in business, how much status I have attained, or how much power I have over others. The central and most exhilarating focus of my life is to show my love in the style that is uniquely mine, in every way I can, here and now, always and everywhere, no one excluded. I appreciate the ways others love me, no matter how limited. I am letting go of expecting or demanding that they love me exactly as I want them to. I am learning to trust others when the record shows they can be trusted, while I, nonetheless, Commit myself to being trustworthy regardless of what others may do. I am always open to rebuilding trust when it has been broken, if the other person is willing. I remain open to reconciling with others after conflict. At the same time, I am learning to release with love and without blame, those who show themselves to be unwilling to relate to me respectfully. I accept without judgment the given of sudden unexplained absence or the silent treatment by others and will not use those styles myself. I am learning to be assertive by asking for what I need without fear or inhibition. I ask without demand, expectation, manipulation, or a sense of entitlement. I show respect for the timing and choices of others by being able to take no for an answer. I respect the freedom of others, especially those I love. I do not want to use any charms of body, word, or mind to trick or deceive anyone. I want others to have what they want. I am not trying to manipulate or intimidate others into doing what I want them to do. I do not knowingly hurt or intend to offend others. I act kindly toward others not to impress them, win their approval, or obligate them because I really am kind or working on it. If others fail to thank me or return my kindness, that does not have to stop me from behaving lovingly nonetheless. When I fail at this or at any of these commitments, I can admit it, make amends, and resolve to act differently next time. I am 
I am practicing ways to express my anger against unfairness directly and non-violently rather than an abusive, bullying, threatening, blaming, out-of-control, vengeful, or passive ways. If people occasionally hurt me, I can say, ouch, and ask to open a dialogue. I may ask for amends, but I can drop the topic if they are not forthcoming. No matter what, I do not choose to get even, hold grudges, keep a record of wrongs, or hate anyone. What goes around, comes around, has become. May what goes around, come around, in a way that helps him or her learn and grow. And thereby hoping for the transformation of others, rather than retribution against them. I am noticing that my capacity to forgive others and myself is expanding all the time. This has graced me with the sense of joy and liberation. Which number are we on? 20. Thank you. I do not let others abuse me and internally. I want to interpret their harshness as coming from their own pain and as a sadly confused way of letting me know they need correction but do not know how to ask for it in a healthy ways. I recognize this with concern, not with censure or scorn. I do not gloat over the sufferings or defeats of those who have hurt me. It serves them right, has changed to, may this serve to help them evolve. I have a sense of humor, but not at the expense of others. I want to use humor to poke fun at human foibles, especially my own. I do not engage in ridicule, mocking, put-downs, digs, barbs, snide, catty or bigoted remarks, sarcasm or comebacks. When others use hurtful humors towards me, I want to feel the pain in both of us and look for ways to bring more mutual respect into our, own, into our communication. I do not hold anyone in contempt. I do not laugh at people for their mistakes and misfortunes, but look for ways to be understanding and supportive. I do not try to embarrass someone by shaming or making him or her look bad in front of other people. I am less concerned with being right or insisting on my own point of view in a conversation or group project. I am now more apt to listen to and appreciate the contributions of others while also sharing my own view in a collaborative dialogue. Now I apologize more easily and willingly when necessary. I notice how there are people who are excluded from the in-group rather than be comforted that I am still safely an insider, especially by joining and gossiping about them. I want to sense the pain in being an outsider. Then I can reach out and include everyone in my circle of love, compassion, and respect. In a group situation, when someone is shamed, humiliated, or harshly criticized, I do not want to be glad that the finger was not pointed at me. I want to support the victim of aggression by asking for a respectful tone in the dialogue. I know that standing up for the victim may turn the bully's fury on me, so I am continually working on building up my courage. I look at other people and their choices with intelligent discernment but without censure. I still notice the shortcomings of others and myself, but now I am beginning to see them as facts to deal with rather than flaws to be criticized or be ashamed of. Accepting others as they are has become more important than whether they are, are what I want them to be. I avoid criticizing, interfering, or giving advice that is not specifically asked for. I take care of myself by staying away from those who use this intrusive approach towards me 
while still holding them in my circle of loving kindness. I never give up on believing that everyone has an innate goodness and that being loved by me can contribute to bringing it out. I am willing to participate in the harmless conventions and social rituals that make others happy. For example, family dinners or acknowledgments of birthdays. If a social or family situation begins to become toxic, I excuse myself politely. I am less and less competitive in relationships at home and work and find happiness in cooperation and community. I shun situations in which my winning means that others lose in a humiliating way. In intimate bonds, I honor equality, keep agreements, work on problems, and act in respect and trustworthy ways. My goal is not to use a relationship to gratify my ego, but to dispossess myself of ego to gratify the relationship. My partner or prospective partner and I can contemplate this list together. These commitments can become the ground rules of our relationship. Then we have found the path to trusting one another. I want my sexual style to adhere to the same standard of integrity and love and kindness that apply in all areas of my life. More and more, my sexuality expresses love, passion, and joyful playfulness. I also remain committed to a responsible adult style of relating and enjoying. Confronted with the suffering in the world, I do not turn my eyes away, nor do I get stuck in blaming God or humanity, but simply ask, what then shall I do? What is the opportunity in this for my practice of loving-kindness? I keep finding ways to respond, even if they have to be minimal. It is better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. I feel a caring concern for the world around me. I look for ways to work for justice and commit myself to nonviolence. I support restorative rather than retributive retributive justice. I I feel myself called to action by violations of human rights, uh, prejudice, nuclear armaments, economic injustice, um, and, and ecological exploitation. I keep educating myself on these issues. With planetary consciousness, I tread with care on the earth with what St. Bonaventure called a courtesy towards natural things. I appreciate that whatever love or wisdom I may have or show comes not from me but through me. I give thanks for these encouraging graces and say yes to the stirring call to live up to them. These ideals are becoming my personal standards. I trust them as pathways to psychological and spiritual maturity. I am not hard on myself when I fail to live up to these ideals. I just keep practicing earnestly. The sincerity of my intention and my ongoing efforts feel like the equivalent of success. I am letting go of perfectionism and of guilt about not being perfect. I do not think I am above other people because I honor this list, nor do I demand that others follow it. I am sharing this list with those who are open to it. I keep placing the intention or praying that someday these commitments can become the style not only of individuals, but of groups in the world community corporate, political, religious. May I show all the love I have in any way I can, here, now, and all the time, to everyone, including me. 
Since love is what we are and what we're here to show, now nothing matters to me more or gives me greater joy. Thank you. Well, that was beautifully read by everyone, so thank you. Um, Any specific ones that struck you that you would like to ask a question about? I do have a question, David. I assume that these are in a certain order. You didn't just throw them out. No, I try to put them in order of, you know, yourself, your relationships, and so forth. That was my question. Self, relationships, and then the world. And then the world. Yeah. Thank you very much. So you want to work with these like one a week, and you're welcome to make copies of this and share it. Or if you have a group, uh, it's a really good thing to pass around and discuss. This is part of the answer to the question someone asked before about how you would bring your longing for a relationship to meta. Like this kind of consciousness does help with that. Although I'm still thinking about it. Okay, other ideas? Any ones you had any problem with or... I like number 11. Well, I circled a lot of them, but... um, Do you want to read the one you... Yeah. um, I appreciate the ways others love me, no matter how limited. I'm letting go of expecting or demanding that they love me exactly as I want them to. Just rung true to me. (laughs) I think I'll add something to that. I'm going to add... And I can always ask for the kind of love I want. Good, thank you. So even just as others had a unique way of loving us, we have a unique way of showing love to them. Other ideas? Right here. I have one that I have to come clean on. It's really a tough one for me. I love this list so much. I've been through through this more times, but I have to tell about number 30. Willing to participate in the harmless conventions and social rituals that make others happy. For example, family dinners or acknowledgement of birthdays, social or family situations become toxic. I I excuse myself politely. I'm working hard to (laughs) get that that is enough. (laughs) Especially... It's a big one. Huh? It's a a big one. one. Yeah, so just coming clean up. Every single time I do this, that's always the one that comes up. Without exception. It's a big problem. But, you know, we're just still going to be kindly, but we're also not going to stand for abuse. Somebody else? You know, Hippocrates, who gave us the Hippocratic Oath, an ancient uh, Greek physician was the first to say that mental problems were not caused by the gods, but were actual illnesses just like physical illnesses. This led him to set up what we would now call a sanitarium in which he brought together the people with mental illnesses, schizophrenia, depression, so forth. And he had uh, treatments of herbs and other procedures to try to help them. 
As part of this, he set up a list of rules. This is rule number one. Stay away from your family. (laughs) Interesting. So this isn't new. Okay, anybody else have anything on these? Hi. Um, Okay, so number 33, my partner or prospective partner and I can contemplate this list together. These commitments can become the ground rules of our relationship. Then we have found the path to trusting one another. And I like this idea a lot around like having ground rules, but I have no idea how, whatever. I just want to hear a little bit more about that, how you would set that up. That um, you would sit together and you would take these one at a time and you would say whether you would like to do this. Like, is this something that I'm offering as part of being in this relationship? I'm going, number 28, I'll be avoiding criticizing, interfering, or giving advice unless you specifically ask for it. And then you would say, these are the ground rules. This is how we're going to conduct our relationship in accord with these 43 practices. 35 begins the practices for far and wide for society. And 34 is the last one for the relationship topic. But you would say, yeah, this is what we, this is how we want to live our lives now. We're not, we're going to, um, dispossess ourselves of ego in favor of the relationship rather than use the relationship to fluff up our ego. That would be a big one right there. Would you be able to sit across the table from your partner tomorrow and say, or tonight, and say, I've made a decision, very simple. From now on, no matter what you do, I will never knowingly retaliate. I'll say, ouch. I'll try to talk about it, but I won't retaliate. That's my decision. Just simple, something as simple as that would make a big difference. Also, you would not wait to be sure the other person made the same commitment to you. Say, that doesn't matter. This is how I'm going to do my thing. This is how I want to live. Kurt puts the other person on the spot because if he or she does not say the same, then what, what that person is saying is, I intend to go right on retaliating. So then you have that information. Oh, Okay. That's the kind of relationship I'm in. Where do I where do I go with this? It really can be this sensible. It doesn't have to be all dramatic adrenaline stuff. Maybe many of us saw that with our parents. We thought, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. It doesn't have to be that way. All right, other ones? Yes. Um, Number 29. 29, okay. I never give up on believing that everyone has an innate goodness and that being loved by me can contribute to bringing it out. Um, I wonder if you can speak to 
approaching this skillfully in different situations because um, sometime in, in our interactions with someone, it can they can seem toxic or feel toxic to us, and you you know I determine that it's best not to be around them. So is it then less of an active love, or you know can you talk about the how very good why question encompassing is this statement? Yeah. Then you switch, and instead of trying to do your practice directly with them, you bring it to your meta practice. May he be happy, may he find Buddha's way, etc. See what I mean? So it speaks to kind of a posture of spirit? Yeah. Okay. So the innate goodness is, of course, our Buddha nature. And um, when we hold others in love, they're more likely to express it. That's the concept. But sometimes the love would mean distance and prayer or meta practice rather than stay there when they're in a toxic mood. If they're always toxic, then that is not a suitable candidate for a relationship. There was somebody else. Uh, There's somebody else behind you. These are really good questions and comments. <clears throat> um, I'm actually going to go back to the um, what you have up on the board regarding denial, regarding longing. Yeah. Is it possible for somebody not to have any longing at all? Or are they in denial when they say, I don't long for anything? Seems like it goes with our being human, that something in us that wants to be loved, wants to find meaning, have a meaningful life, wants to be certainly to be happy or contented, serene. That all goes with happiness. Wants to keep evolving, that's the growth. And certainly wants more freedom. By, by freedom, I don't mean civil freedom. I mean the freedom to be yourself. Show yourself as you really are. We'll be talking about that this afternoon. But um, yeah, it seems like uh, all humans would have some kind of longing. Um. I'm a little... Animals have desires. They don't, you know... Lion has desire to catch that antelope. Doesn't have the kind of brain structure that would be deep enough to go to a longing. So they, they simply operate on instinctive desire. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I'm having a little trouble reconciling 6 and 28... So 28, I avoid criticizing, interfering, or giving advice that is not specifically asked for. That's very straightforward. But then when I look at 6, I appreciate positive feedback, and I also welcome any well-intentioned critique. So would you have to ask for that, ideally? You know, I don't... Give give it, but I might ask for it. You could ask for it directly, or someone might give it to but and remember there it's well intentioned it's not right. criticizing in the other one right right but we should um for other people it would be best then to ask them if they want it yes okay yes always because not all people want feedback not everybody's working on themselves the way the people in this room are <laughs> Other ones? Well, I, I, I'm probably way off the mark, but as we look around and see so many uh, people who are uh, using really hardcore drugs, and uh, there seems to be a, a whole, in, including our wine country and the, what goes on, an unbelievable amount of, and we're now with more opiates and more you know, marijuana growing right near us here, how do you look at that and the opioid all over the United States and maybe the world? Uh, where does that fit into how we um, manage through this thicket? 
Well, you would bring, if, you, if you're not involved in drugs yourself, you would certainly want to bring the addicts into your loving kindness practice, your daily awareness of the needs of others. And certainly drug use, the, the, the opioids particularly, and the you know heavier drugs like cocaine, so forth, uh, are examples of a desire that has a longing under it. And this is the um, longing for some kind of happiness that uh, seems to be evading you in your ordinary daily life. Or you could have many unexpressed griefs. Sometimes drugs are used as an alternative to facing your grief and going through it. But in any case, those who are not caught in those addictions uh, would have as their role to uh, keep sending those positive, compassionate, um, vibrations to those who are suffering in that way. So everybody is either a victim of the drugs or participating in the healing of them, which we could even do in our meta practice. You don't have to be a drug counselor only. You could just you know, bring an awareness of it and one of the things that I do is um, when you hear it being talked about on the news, just you know, let yourself feel some compassion for the victims. Don't just take it as news. Let it be a, a little uh, stirring toward metta, toward loving kindness. <clears throat> okay, somebody else? Way in the back. Um, well, let's see. Regarding number 41, I do not think I am above other people because I honor this list, nor do I demand that others follow it. Um, I, I respect and appreciate that you did put these in an order. And this one's pretty far down on the list. Um, and f- because of my own personality, I think it might... My intuition is that it would help to lead with this one, actually. Um, and I'm wondering if there might be some hidden pitfalls that, that you can think of to leading with this one. Well, first they have to know what they are. That's why I have it toward the end. And, uh, yeah, we don't, we, we don't think we're above others. We think... I, what a wonderful thing that I was given graces like these. I'm thankful that I have this possibility in me. Other comments? Okay, let's have one final comment and then we're going to wind up. Right here. Oh, you. And then you. Yeah, two more comments. Yeah, so I'm actually going back to the conversation about addiction. Yeah. And maybe I heard you wrong or misunderstood before when you said that addiction cannot, does not exist with longing. Or longings don't lead to addiction. Longings don't lead to addiction. Yeah. I guess I've been sitting with, you know, I think about longing as there's an unmet need. So let's say it's to be loved. But the way you turn it into an addiction is by turning it finding something that's a desire and then that puts you in a different track Hmm. because your longing is something deep within and it's mysterious so a longing has three qualities one it's never fully fulfilled two it's enduring throughout your life and three it's mysterious so you never really know what it's about so you're saying it's misunderstood when it becomes something like an addiction, like a food addiction. Or it can turn alcohol. into, yeah. For instance, late at night, you're alone in the house and you're watching TV and you 
crave a snack. Well, it's obvious that it isn't, I mean, the, the desire is for a snack. But certainly, the, there's something else in there besides the snack. Mm. There's some longing for some type right. of comfort that isn't quite happening in your situation. So the root of it is the longing, is the, is the unmet. So the root is the longing, but the, the snacking could become the addictive right. style. So every night I'm having snack after snack would be uh, disregarding the longing that it really represents. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to examine strong desires and ask what longing might be under it. Mm -hmm. Okay, one, the one final question. One more question about, about uh, the way these break down. They're in order. Yeah, first it's about yourself. I get it. You said yeah. that before. But yeah. the order within <clears throat> the orders. The what? That, but the orders yeah. within the orders, does that tell us anything? Are you... uh, I try to order them within so that they become more and more uh, demanding, shall we say. But you can rearrange them in any way you want. Got it. Thank you very much. Sure. And also, this is on the website. You can download it and send the link to someone. Where does the personal one stop? And what um, it would be... Uh, say around um, 25. It's more about other people. And then 31 is, um, 31 from there is intimate relationships. All right, so we're going to take our lunch break now and we come back here around uh, 1.30. I'll be signing books out in the lobby and then we all start again like... <clears throat> Definitely by 10 of 2. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.